How in the world can you have that much money floating around in Lansing and not give it to Pure Michigan? That's the reaction I I was hoping for. Are you kidding me? Like the tourism industry, hospitality restaurants were decimated. Where are we? Why can we not fund the number one program in the United States? Pure Michigan is the best, hands down. Okay, ready? This is it. This is the show. What's with the pineapple? A brand new podcast from the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association. Pineapples don't grow in Michigan. No, not native to Michigan. Let me write that down. Putting a a hospitality spin on what exactly is going on in Lansing. Shed some light on the industry specifically in Michigan. I think we're going to have some good guests. What is with the pineapple? What's with the industry? What's going on in Michigan? We can edit this if that's not right, right? Okay, we are back, Emily. It is a gray, dreary, cold February morning in Michigan. But I'm going to tell you, I'm feeling, I'm feeling some some energy. I'm feeling, I'm feeling blessed this morning. Everything feels good. Uh, as we are recording this, our fourth episode. I can't believe we have four, but it feels good. Good morning uh, with the kids out the door, and then we get into the office, Joanne has a casserole waiting for the whole staff. Who else has a, a front desk administrator who's just bringing in breakfast casserole voluntarily? I actually thought we'd, I'd forgotten like a birthday lunch or something for, for a staff and I was terrified for a moment, but then it was just, it was just beautiful. What a great way to start our day. Did you know that Joanne owns, I believe it's six crack pods. Wow. And they're all purple. And it's, it's all impressive. Shout out to Joanne Jones, who uh, we, we love dearly. Okay. Emily, hit me. What's going on this weekend that you're so excited about? The Super Bowl is here. That is that is happening. I have no idea how this is hospitality or pineapple related, but we're going to hit it anyways because it is it is in the zeitgeist. It's topical. How it's related. What do you do during the Super Bowl? Oh, eat so much eating, so much drinking. What are you going to eat? What do you, you got? You already have a menu planned. I don't. I make speaking of crockpots, I make a killer buffalo chicken dip. It's actually pretty, pretty well renowned around the office as well. So maybe bust that out, probably order some wings, pizza is always on, on the agenda there. My kids made a menu already. They, they, they have an item. They have four items already listed on there and it's going to be the second shot on this podcast for, for Clavon's pizza. The kids love Clavon's. It's my favorite pizza. We might actually have to get Justin Clavon on here because it's now the second time randomly that he has come up. Uh, But that is the go-to for, for the pizza. Gigi's Cupcakes. You ever been? Trowbridge? Uh, heard of it. Have not been. I believe my family is keeping that cupcake place in business. So the kids demand some Gigi's Cupcakes uh, and we'll have our own version. Maybe not as good as your buffalo chicken dip. Probably not. <laughs> but we will definitely have it. Uh, I'm excited about the game. We got a lot of Detroit ties to the game, right? We got former Detroit Lion quarterback Matthew Stafford trying to prove that really it is the Lions that were, that were holding him back for all of these years. Wasn't that hard to prove, turns out. Yeah, see, Jonathan Mays, it's it's not the Vikings, it's the Lions. We're just all they had to do is send our quarterback elsewhere, and it's it's a Super Bowl. But we got Eminem performing at, at halftime as well. So, also a restaurant owner, technically. Ooh, Mom's spaghetti, not on the list of food I will be getting, but yes, Mom's spaghetti, a Detroit restaurant. There's Dr. Dre, Mary J. Blige, Snoop Dogg. And Kendrick Lamar is also joining the halftime show. I'm interested to see how that's going to pan out. I think the talent is very high, but what's the production level of the actual show going to be? Mm. I'm going to use this as the pivot to 
the NRA National Restaurant Association coming out with their state of the industry report. And, and the pivot here is you and your generation, your ilk, uh, if I can use that term, really love food delivered. You want digital options to get that food delivered. Old people like me, apparently, in this report, we, we are confused by the technology. We don't know what to do with it. But uh, Emily, are you going to be using an app to order some food and hit that and have that come your way? It's a tricky question because third-party delivery, not really allowed to say it around the office sometimes. It's mildly divisive. We, they, 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 have, they serve a purpose and in some ways are good for the industry and in other ways are predatory. So it's, you know, it's complicated. It's nuanced. Sure. I think the, the convenience is there for sure because of my knowledge of additional expenses. I try to avoid it. I try to try to order directly from the operator, but I, I think that's an interesting component to the NRA report that came out, uh, their state of the industry for 2022 report that came out last week, I believe. Yeah. We know this industry is trending aggressively towards dining away from location, right? And and that that was a 55% pre-pandemic uh, split with just slightly more than half of, of all food, restaurant food being consumed off premise, but that, that number is jumping to two thirds. It looks like it's going to settle around two thirds and, and it'd be questionable whether that actually increases. But the fact that there's an interesting divide and that the younger generations are all in for this as the future of restaurants means restaurants who are future oriented that are thinking about how to, to pivot. That's obviously where they need to spend some resources because the generations coming up are comfortable with this. They don't need your 10,000 foot or square foot dining room. Uh, they're very comfortable getting Chipotle to go and anything else to go as well. So that's, that's an interesting report. Anything else interesting that came out of the National Restaurant Association's industry report that's worth discussing? Yeah. I mean, there's a, there's a lot of data here. I think that the actual report, which is available on their website, is around 40 pages. So a lot of, a lot of dense data there um, if you want to jump into a deeper dive of those numbers. But I think some, some overall key takeaways, the industry is forecasted to reach $898 billion in sales in 2022, which sounds like a very large number, but it's actually 11.5% down compared to 2019 sales, which is kind of the, the number that we all use pre-pandemic to compare things by. And then we're also projected to grow by 400,000 jobs. Again, if you aren't in the data, it sounds like a big number, but that still is 500,000 jobs uh, nationally below the 2019 levels. So those were key, key things that stuck out for me. Yeah, you see that in some of the January numbers that came out uh, late last week and early this week. Big jobs number uh, nationally overall for the economy, and then 108,000 jobs gained in just the restaurant industry in the month of January. Uh, again, that's a national figure. We do not have Michigan parsed data yet, but you're seeing a, a, a rapid growth and, and turnaround and, and restart for the industry uh, nationally. I think those numbers are not going to show up in January yet for Michigan. I think we were still uh, very much in that Omicron surge that was hurting the workforce pretty severely in Michigan. But it's it's a sense it, it's it's a sign that actually we will be that we will be trending in that direction soon. And and you see that in some of the COVID numbers that are down to yesterday's. Yesterday's numbers were 3,500 cases a day. That is, you know, we were in the north of 30,000 range just a couple of weeks ago. So that is a good sign that 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 Omicron is dissipating significantly in Michigan. That stability that this industry needs is trending in that right direction. The downside of that is all the restaurant revitalization fund uh, advocacy we've been doing 
becomes a little harder because we're starting to see some of that positive trend, even though Michigan maybe isn't acutely feeling it yet, that things are trending in a, in a positive way for the industry. So that makes securing some federal relief, which was hard even at the in the depths of, of Omicron here and in other parts of the country, that much harder. So I, I, I'm not giving up. We're not throwing in the towel just yet. Uh, we're going to keep making that, that, that case because specifically, even though we're starting to see the trend out, the damage that's been done through the fall and the winter where you've seen so many more restaurants close again permanently uh, is real. And, and those who are still here are, are dramatically disadvantaged and could use some of that liquidity to help bridge them to where, where brighter days are coming. Yeah. American Hotel and Lodging Association, AHLA, also released uh, their 2022 state of the industry report. What's hot? What's hot in the hotel industry? Well, occupancy levels are coming back up towards 2019 levels, but obviously the the full recovery is years away, which you can expect without knowing all, all the details. It looks like business travel is still going to be down. It's going to be more leisure travel. We know that pent up demand seems to be the, the word of the episode. Great segue, by the way, to talk about our guest who's coming on, right? We have a spectacular guest this morning. Liz Ware of Mission Point Resort on Mackinac Island is going to be here to talk about the island, to talk about travel and tourism, some of the challenges of operating during COVID and and how successful they were during impossible times. They were blessed and cursed with huge demand when everyone else was was not having that level of demand in 2020 and, and even into 2021, but operating with a lot of restrictions in place that made it not easy. Really great conversation. She is just the heart of hospitality in, in, in tourism in the state of Michigan. So uh, stay tuned for that conversation because it's going to be great. Also, is an HGTV show going to come to Mackinac Island? Ooh, that's the, that's the lead. That, that's the tease that'll keep them listening, Emily. Okay. In my zeal to talk about trends and reports and pivot from our intro to what is supposed to be our current event segment, where we already hit on a lot of the current events, you were supposed to come up with some names for this segment because we have shamelessly come up with nothing through three episodes. And here we are in our fourth, fourth episode. We need, we need segment titles. I do not know what these are. You've, you, uh, you are the creative at MRLA. So I'm interested to hear what are some of the examples you've come up with that I can react to uh, in real time here. I will say I have hit a massive creative roadblock for months on this. And I just never, I couldn't come up with anything. So I have some here. I don't know how you're going to feel about them. We'll see. I told okay. you I'm feeling in a highly positive mood today, Liz. So it's all going to be good. Hit me. I don't want to be responsible for ruining that. <laughs> all right. The first one, Pineapple Express. Oh. Because this was a debate for a year internally about wanting to title the podcast Pineapple Express. And I was against it. Why? It just didn't make that much sense to me. Also, it's a very popular movie with Seth Rogen and James Franco just about. About what? It's a strain of marijuana. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. So there's more than one meeting to Pineapple Express. Huh. All right. Well, I'm torn now because it's catchy. The express part, we hit the we hit this the current event headlines very quickly. I mean, recreational marijuana is not legal in Michigan. Maybe it's not. You know, that taboo, maybe it's maybe it's slightly edgy, but not too edgy. I don't know. But what do you got? What else you got? Okay, the next one is Quick Bites. Isn't that a segment of our newsletter, our email newsletter? Our magazine. Oh, there we go. It's a new publication. Okay, so it's that's an easy tee up. 
mm-hmm. relates to the industry, uh, but reused. The four who, who doesn't love leftovers. The four one one in the mitten. Ugh, no. Okay. You- um, this is how a lot of our meetings go. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> and then the last one, I think that you will really appreciate. It's one word. It wouldn't one, two, three, four. It would work on Wordle. Oh, now I'm intrigued. Just heard exclamation point. <laughs> uh, uh, I mean, it's a podcast, so I sort of get where you're going with well, that. You, you hear the, you hear the headlines. Also, if you like you've received them, copy heard. And then if you have worked in a restaurant kitchen, that's, you know, I need, I need this stat. The line will yell heard. It's just, it's, it's the jargon. Okay. Uh, listeners, I'm going to pitch you again to call in, email in, tweet in, just, just come up with some suggestions. We are still working on this. We're trying actually pineapple, pineapple express as the segment title is actually not terrible. I'm, I'm, I think we may be trending in that direction, but if you think that's a terrible idea, hit us up. Where, where do they need to go, to go to come up with some suggestions? MRLA.org slash podcast or tweet us at, at the official MRLA or just tweet Justin directly if you want to find his profile. All right. So we have our first ever ad read for the podcast. Oh my God. We're legitimate. We're, Joe, Joe, we're a legitimate podcast now. We're making it. We're making it. You want me to read it because it's pre-written. I'm going to, I'm going to make it sound like it's authentic. Like I just am coming up with it on the fly, but it's really a piece of paper here. Listen, and let me give you this advance. Don't click that 30 second button just yet. All right. Hear some of this out first, hear some of this out first, and then maybe click, but don't, but don't do it yet. Cause, cause I do think that this is a worthwhile ad and I'll, and I'll tease it with it's money for you. Okay. So how much Emily is 10 minutes of your time worth a thousand dollars, 10,000. How about $26,000 per employee? That's how much you're likely eligible for in federal pandemic relief. And the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association, that's us, wants to make sure you get every penny you have coming to you. The MRLA's new restaurant relief program is making it easy for you to file for your employee retention credit. That's federal COVID assistance you don't have to pay back. You can find out how much ERC money you qualify for by calling the Restaurant Relief ERC Support Center at 888 371-8310. Then the MRLA's trusted ERC partner will file for your ERC funds on your behalf, just like they've done for hundreds of businesses like yours. ERC experts will handle the paperwork and you can cash the check. You can even borrow against your anticipated ERC payout with an ERC advance loan that puts the money in your hands in just a couple days. Uh, We do know that the IRS has been a little slow on getting some of these ERC checks out the door. So don't leave tens of thousands in federal pandemic relief on the table. Call the MRLA's Restaurant Relief ERC Support Center now at 888-371-8310. Seamless. Seamless. We did it. We read an ad because we're a real podcast. We are. Yeah. See, tell your dad that. We are a real podcast. All right. Before we jump into the GA segment, which is for Fork's sake, some exciting things happened for the MRLA this week. The Hospitality Training Institute of Michigan is real. It's launched and it's here. It's the Tim. It's the Tim. Remember that. We're going to we're going to try to make that a thing. We lovingly refer to it as the Tim. It is a training institute for Michigan's hospitality industry. 
It's a 12-week program. There's a Lansing cohort starting in mid to late March. And there's also, that's a hybrid model. And there's also an online cohort where industry employees can enroll in the 12-week program and it creates a better pathway for career advancement. Yeah, it's a it's affordable upscaling of of your team that we have created specifically to to help this industry's workforce challenges. It's created as a proprietary school endorsed by maybe endorsed is a strong word, but approved by uh, the Department of Labor and Economic Opportunity and it creates that 12-week program is a realistic timeline for this industry and I think the way that this association can be helpful as a conduit for you as an employer in this industry is we can help find resources for you to make this training free or substantially subsidized for your team. So upscaling your team members you have now, helping to recruit new team members you don't have yet. It's a big deal for this association and a big part of what we're going to be focused on in 2022, because we have heard, I don't know, repeatedly for months Uh, even pre-pandemic, that workforce challenges in this industry are the first, second, and third on the priority list. So uh, we have heard you. We have built that infrastructure to help meet the needs of this industry. So uh, check it out, htim.com, the TIM. All right. Let's pivot here to, for Fork's sake, government affairs, what's going on in Lansing this week, and how much money is $74 billion? Yeah, I think that's the well, let's just cover the the one issue today because it's big enough. Governor Whitmer released her FY23, that's fiscal year 23 starting October 1st budget this year. For those of you at home, this does not mean this is enacted. She is proposing a budget. The legislature now has the responsibility to review it, make changes and ultimately pass something that the governor can sign that will happen between now and October 1st. Let's let's hope anyways it's between now and October 1st. No one needs the government shutdown again. So yeah, the the headline is $74.1 billion budget. That is a 35% increase from where this budget was just five years ago. That is astonishing. Longtime friend of the pod and restaurant owner and also chair of the Senate Appropriations Committee, uh, Senator Jim Stamas had one word in response uh, and, and had the first opportunity of anyone to react to this budget. He just said, damn, damn, as in, damn, that's a big budget. $74 billion uh, for the state of Michigan is a, is, a, is a big number. I think the governor it basically spent everything that was available, money that was left over that's not appropriate yet federally, surplus resources that have come in uh, above what we anticipated that revenue to be. And so that's a, it's a big number. Some interesting things as it relates to this industry. Pure Michigan is always financed in this budget. And the, the early take is I'm, I'm disappointed. $74 billion budget, a 35% increase. And this, the tourism industry in Michigan gets the same $15 million that was proposed in the year before. And the year before that, it was vetoed. That's a challenge. And it's not, it's not a sufficient uh, investment in an industry that needs that investment right now, obviously, to get back on its feet overall. I think you'll hear a little bit from Liz Ware on this issue and her thoughts uh, a little bit later in this podcast. But it, you know, it means this association has to get to work uh, and help make the case that Pure Michigan is, is good for not just Michigan's travel and tourism industry, but Michigan's economy overall. You know, in the Snyder era, we were at basically $40 million. I think you could justify that the, that the need right now is more like a $60, $60 million buy to help make up for what has been lost to reintegrate some travelers from abroad that have stopped thinking about Michigan as a travel destination. 
And those are all dollars that could go anywhere. And so we are making the investment to get them to come here, which has an effect on our overall economy. So we have some work to do on that front. $15 million, definitely not enough, Emily. To say the least. For frontline workers, there's $725 million in bonus money here available. I do not know the definition, nor nor was it provided of what frontline worker is. During the peak of the pandemic, uh, hotel and restaurant workers were defined as frontline workers. So there's an eligibility possibility for for employees in this industry to, to get something. And that may be enticing for this industry to help keep some of the people working during a, a challenging workforce period. There's going to be $200 million. Again, I stress this is proposed, not enacted. Uh, $200 million for small, for small businesses hurt by the pandemic. I think that fits this industry pretty well. Uh, so we'll be looking into greater detail on what that looks like and making sure that this industry, if that is enacted, gets its fair share of that as well. So those are the early those are the early lines that I think are of interest to this industry. There's more of a deep dive that'll happen and a lot of meetings with legislators in the coming months to uh, parse out this budget in the future. But the headline coming away from us for this industry is not enough for travel and tourism and Pure Michigan uh, deserves more. And, and, and if we have anything to say about it, we'll be getting more. Good thing March 9th is coming up for Capital Day. Oh, so many Capital Day plugs. Yeah. Sign up at MRLA.org. All right. I think that kind of wraps up our segment for this part. And we can welcome Liz Ware into the conversation and talk all things Mackinac Island. I'm really looking forward to that. Okay, Justin, Liz Ware joins us today from Mission Point Resort on Mackinac Island. Liz is vice president of sales and marketing for Mission Point. As an industry veteran, Liz began her hospitality career in Washington, D.C. at the American Society of Association Executives as its chief rainmaker. Liz has a passion for being on the water, gardens, and historic properties, which makes sense to be on Mackinac Island. Through volunteering on the Chicago Yacht Club's race to Mackinac, she fell in love with Mackinac and planted deep roots in the community through her involvement in the renovation of Silver Birches on the north end of the island, and again with her family's purchase and renovation of Mission Point Resort. Liz's passion for Mission Point and Mackinac is contagious. I would agree with that statement. Liz is also on the board of directors for the Michigan Restaurant and Lodging Association. Good place. And most recently, her and her brother, Mark, are the winners of the Hospitality Star of the Year Award from MRLA's Star of the Year Awards. Liz, it doesn't say this, but Queen of Michigan Hospitality, Queen of Mackinac Island should be just part of the title. Am I wrong? I don't know. How about just... um great fan of the island. I love this place. I, it's in my heart and in my soul. I love it. I don't ever want to leave. In fact, I'm on the island right now, and I was supposed to drive back to um, Southeast Michigan today. And once again, I have decided to stay another day because I just don't want to leave. Okay. Now I'm going to go in a completely different direction. If okay. you were on the island right now, yes. how did you get there? Oh, I flew over. And the oh. only and the reason I flew over and I didn't take the ice bridge was that it was really icy and there wasn't a lot of snow on it. So I flew over. That's the, that's to me, the right answer. I'm terrified of the ice bridge. Well, you should be. <laughs> this is, this is why there are about 400 people on the Island in the winter and up to 10 to 12,000 people a day in the summer. Yeah. But Hey, look, you know, in the summer I get to ride my bike to work and in the winter I get to ride my snowmobile to work. Like it doesn't get much better than that. 
That is not a bad gig. Well, take me through a little bit of the history of how you came to even come to Mackinac Island and and purchase uh, as a family Mission Point Resort, really bring it back, really make it a very special location uh, on the island. Tell us a little bit about the history of, of, of how you got into this world. Absolutely. I think it's a pure Michigan story for sure. I lived in Chicago. I had a ton of friends at the yacht club that did the race to Mackinac. And although I didn't do the race sail up, I came up and I supported them in many different ways. And I loved the island. I love being up here. And so I would come up every summer, you know, for a week and then it was two weeks and then I would come up and stay the whole summer. And at one point uh, we found a property on the Northeast side of the island that was in, you know, really bad shape. Um, it was about ready to fall down and we purchased it and started renovating it in the process of running it, renovating it. And, and when I say renovating, it's not like normal on the island, you know, like when you do a foundation, it's not like you have a cement truck come in and dump cement and, and pour it. It was brought out by a horse and a wagon. So in the process of renovating it, we had some, you know, it was, it was tough and we worked through it and um, I gained some friendships. And one of them was the man who owned Mission Point. And during our renovation, he came up to me and said, you know, we're looking at selling the property. Uh, would your family be interested in it? We know that you guys have integrity and care about the island and care about the historic nature of it. And and we're ready to, to let it go and, and do other things in our lives. And so I went to my parents and said, there is an opportunity that's presented itself. And it was the largest real estate transaction on the island in, at the time in, in more than a quarter of a century. And wow. so we've had Mission Point for um, eight years now and have put almost $15 million into it with renovations and um, have built a great team and hopefully a great reputation. Well, I think that that's true. I think Mission Point has a completely di- different reputation now than it did just a decade ago. And, and I think that's attributable to the, the culture you guys have brought there. $15 million is a sizable investment. And you're right. There should be like an HGTV show, Emily, where it's just just Mackinac Island specific and the unique challenges of trying to reno uh, and do all of that type of work specifically on the island. I think, I think people would watch. Holy- that's actually a really good idea. Yeah. Um, you know, when you think about it, it's like, so we closed the end of October and boom, all of a the sudden, then you just, we have boats coming over with all of our equipment that we need for the winter. So we have to get everything over between the end of November and probably the middle part of December, because you don't know when the lake is going to freeze and you can't be in a situation where you don't have all of the equipment and materials that you need for renovation here, because when the boat stops, the only way to get here is either the ice bridge or a plane. And it's not like you can put a whole bunch of two by fours in a plane because the planes aren't big. They're not cargo planes. They're like a six seater plane. That sounds terrifying. Oh, it's so much fun, Emily. It's so much fun. (laughs) That's the spirit. I don't know about that. Uh, So it's been a whirlwind of nearly two years through the pandemic, right? And you're located on the island in an in-demand tourist destination for families, but also meetings, events, weddings. How did you weather the storm while literally being on an island and manage that pent-up demand while navigating really strict regulations for a very long time? Gosh, the pandemic, you just like 
parts of it seem like it, they were so long ago and you've almost forgotten about them and then we're still in it. So at the very beginning, it was very scary because we are an island and there are in the winter about 450 people who live here. And to get off the island, if there were medical emergencies, there's some challenges and logistics there. So our first First and foremost, it was safety and health. And there were a group of people on the island, a wide group of business leaders, community leaders, public officials. We all came together and we created a health force, a health task force, which was it's still intact. And we, we actually had a meeting yesterday and we talked about how to keep everyone safe. And the island is most you know, we are a seasonal destination and we have a lot of seasonal employees coming in. The housing for a lot of these seasonal employees is dormitory style housing. And so we had some huge hurdles that we had to tackle to keep everyone safe and healthy. And we did it and we all worked together. Our health department was fantastic in helping us every step of the way. I mean, as a community, we all just came together and we all talked about how we were going to do this, keep everyone safe, how everyone needed to be masked, how everyone needed to be vaccinated and how we would get vaccines to the island. And keep in mind, the population in Northern Michigan is, is, is low. And so when the vaccines first came out, it was, you know, based on population sizes and the population of Mackinac Island would go from 500 to 5,000 in a matter of a week or two as employees came to the island. So we were very focused on on the health and safety um, of everyone. And yep, we had demand and the demand was great. And we had to do what everyone else had to do, have everyone mask up in public places, worry about, you know, we have GBAC certification here. So we worried about, you know, the cleanliness and gosh, for, you know, the reality is hotels keep place is clean. We have to, um, no matter what. So I think a lot of us were in a good place on, on that side of it. Yeah. You may be underselling just the, the job you guys did. It was 2020 was a, a miracle on the Island. It were the industry in Michigan overall was operating in the twenties, uh, in occupancy rate. And some of our convention center style hotels were operating in single digits through most of the, the year. Cause there just was no large convention business. Mackinac Island was, was thriving. I, I know the season was shortened, but you guys were operating at, at pretty much capacity for, for the entire season. But the Northern Michigan had this uh, reputation of somehow being the safest place or one of the safest places in the country to go and Mackinac Island fit that bill. And so people were driving in from multiple states to tra- to travel and you guys had to manage that. And I just, you, you deserve a lot of kudos because it was great, obviously, to have that demand when most people didn't, but it was not easy operating in that environment. Yeah, you know, we were very fortunate in that. And with that came a lot of responsibility, but, you know, our hearts were breaking for everyone around the state who wasn't in that position. So I, I, that's really important to note. You know, we, we were okay. We lost a third of our season. Um, we didn't have enough employees, so we couldn't be at the occupancy levels that we wanted. But gosh, compared to others, we were in a great place. And our hearts went out to everyone who, who wasn't in that same place that we were in. 100% true. Let's move past COVID. We okay. talk somehow every single week, uh, we, we somehow center on COVID, whether we want to or not, it just finds its way into the conversation. I, we'll know we're past it when somehow just we don't even think about it and we, we have and COVID doesn't even enter the podcast conversation. It's coming. That day will come, I promise. One day. Hopefully this podcast is still around when that day comes. <laughs> 
Let's let's pivot a little bit to you and your professional history as well, because I think it's interesting. Uh, maybe maybe Emily Emily and I find it disproportionately interesting because you've been in our space, in our world, and and understand what we do and the importance of it. So Emily has a few questions related to that. So, according to LinkedIn, you're the chief rainmaker rainmaker at ASAE. Is that really in your business card? Does it say chief rainmaker? Absolutely. <laughs> So what what does a title like that consist of before you were where you are now at Mission Point? So first of all, ASAE stands for the American Society of Association Executives. And I really have two passions. One is hospitality and the other is associations. I love associations. The power that associations bring to the world is unbelievable with education and MRLA is a great example of it. So I worked in Washington, D.C. as the chief rainmaker for the American Society of Association Executives. And I basically brought business people together with leaders of associations to do business together. And that entailed publishing a magazine, creating special events, fundraisers, a wide variety of things, but just bringing people together um, to do business together. How do you think that that helped you in the role that you are in now as an operator of a major resort on one of Michigan's biggest, possibly the biggest tourism destination in the state? So I have worked with every destination almost in the country and around the world, Um, all the major hotel companies, major airlines, convention centers, and, and other business suppliers. So the hospitality side of it was really easy for me because I love the hospitality. I love travel and tourism. I love meetings and conventions. And so it was just a natural fit. And although our family hadn't owned and operated a hotel, being in that hospitality space, destination marketing has been a part of, of my career for more than 20 years. And I'll say from my my vantage point, the marketing that you guys do at Mission Point is outstanding. I I take a lot of ideas from your newsletters and your socials and all of that. So it's, it's very well done. Thank you. It's about creating a great team. You know, I um, the head of the San Diego Convention Center said to me once, hire really exceptional people and get out of their way and let them do their jobs. And um, we have done that here on our marketing team at Mission Point. So thank you. Shout out to Deb. She does do an excellent job. Yep. Okay, Justin, you want to talk about advocacy, H2B, all the work Liz does in D.C.? Yeah, we buttered Liz up. We got her some some fun questions, talk a little bit about her past positively, because then we got to come to a dark place, Liz. And it is just the reality of operating a Mackinac Island. It is a reality of Northern Michigan tourism and hospitality that there is just, there's not enough local pol- uh, or population to generate the workforce necessary for the hordes that come up north to travel, not just from Michigan, but from across the country in the summer. So, you know, temporary opportunities, temporary visas have been a a mainstay of how Mackinac Island operates uh, and other northern Michigan resorts as well, commonly known as H2B visas, although some people use J1 visas as well. But these are temporary workers that come from abroad and then return to their country at the end of the season. It is perennially a challenge every year. We have this conversation like Groundhog's Day every year about the shortage of workforce, the inability to get the necessary amount uh, of H2B visas to the places they need to go. Where are we on that issue this year? Do you think we are trending in a positive direction or do you think that we are more acutely challenged? Uh, And I think I already know the answer to this question, but we're teeing it up for our guests. 
Oh, geez, H2Bs. Okay, so H2Bs, who runs a business and invests in a business where every year you don't know if you're going to have employees coming in? It is the hardest, the most difficult, the most insane situation ever. So H2B visas are people who come in on a visa and work for six months. They come in, they pay taxes, they work, they buy goods, they take it home to their country, they go home for six months, and then they come back if they get their visas again. It is a very simple program. There are 500 people who live on Mackinac Island, and there are 5,000 jobs in the summer. There are not 5,000 people in the UP that can come to Mackinac Island to work or to St. Ignace or Mackinac City. So there, there aren't people. And so people in Washington, D.C. don't understand this. They mix it up. They've made this very political and it shouldn't be. For every H-2B visa worker that comes that supports a tourism destination like ours, it supports four American jobs. So if you think about it, we don't just employ people here on the island, but you have your Cisco people, your accountants, your attorneys, your architects, your construction people, your truck drivers, your farmers, all of these people that are supported by the hospitality, the tourism industry here on the island. And if we don't have workers and we can't open our doors to a guest who want to come here, then those jobs go away. And it's not just Mackinac Island, it's the whole entire region. So the H-2B workers are very, very important. And every year we have to fight for them. And to give you an example of how challenging it is, three years ago, we usually apply for about 140 to 150 visas. Three years ago, um, we went through the application and we got zero. So in January, we're looking at how in the world are we going to staff up? We are have about 55 people who are employed year round. And then we staff up to um, a little over 300 people in season. And without hundred, without half of our workforce, how, how are we going to open our doors? And that was terrible. Last year, we did better. This year, we applied for 147 visas. And basically, we are able to use 12. Ugh. It's really tough. And we're not the only ones. And this happens every single year. So every year we do our, the lobbying. And um, when you ask, you know, is it getting any better? Well, I think it is. And, and you know, we've got a challenge in the workforce right now. Um, Hospitality has been hit harder than, than any other sector. But people are realizing that, oh, my goodness, we don't have people for full-time jobs in hospitality. Um, what about these seasonal destinations? And, and how are we going to help help support them? And so... Mackinac Island has historically been very active in lobbying. We continue to be this year for the first time. Um, you know, we have Alyssa Slotkin and, and Debbie Stabenow. Unbelievable. They wrote a letter in support of this and, and thank goodness they did. And we're actively involved with, you know, MRLA and AHLA and uh, U.S. travel trying to move this forward. And I think we're, we're gaining traction finally, and that's good. Um, it doesn't help us right now in the fact that, that we still have positions that are open. So we're looking for staff, but moving forward, getting out of this year, every year, this yearly thing of how are we going to, what are we going to do if we don't have employees? We're moving the ball down, down the field. And, and doing a great job of it. We, I was speaking with Alyssa Slotkin's chief of staff uh, last night on this issue, praising her because she wrote not just a letter, 
not just a form letter that gets oh, to no. the Secretary of Homeland Security. She wrote a really substantive, detailed letter providing the case for and the need for a, a solution in the short term and in the long term. And you're right, getting Senator Debbie Stabenow on board, proactively writing a letter and just having her name attached to this issue is a big deal because of the level of, of power she has, frankly, in Congress, a uh, long tenure and uh, in, in, in leadership in the U.S. Senate right now. So that's that's a big deal. But it, it, the backdrop is there are 33,000 available slots for this summer season nationally. And in a, in a normal year, that is around 99,000. So a three to one ratio, which is already challenging in terms of 99,000 applications to 33,000 spots this year, because you mentioned this, how challenging the labor environment is. There are a lot of non-traditional restaurants and even smaller hotels getting into this space and applying for these H2B visas. And so that number was almost 140,000 applications this year. And that ratio is going to make almost an impossible year for a lot of people in this industry. So it's a big deal to us. We spent a lot of time working with AHLA on this uh, as well. Mackinac Island, to, to your credit, the fact that you have your own lobbyist for the island on this issue is a, is is huge and rare, and you guys should you guys deserve a lot of credit for that. I know. I thought I was going to be able to put my housekeeping uniform back in the closet, but unfortunately, I don't think so. So my brother has his Bellman's uniform in his office. I have my housekeeping one in mine. My dad is our bike mechanic, so we're all going to be jumping in and and making things happen again. Love it. All hands on deck. All hands on deck. Okay, Liz, so it is February 10th, and we're in the middle of winter. Like you said, you had to fly over to the island. But I think before we know it, the summer season will be here, even if it doesn't feel like it will be. We'll blink, and and hopefully summer will be here. Uh, What can we expect to see over the next year at Mission Point Resort and Mackinac Island overall for the next tourism season? Besides, besides you and your housekeeping and your brother and the bellman and your dad as the bike mechanic. So, um, you know, as we've seen, travel sentiment is really about wide open spaces, being outside, doing, you know, hiking, biking, being around the water. So Mackinac Island is a perfect destination for that. We are seeing demand, unprecedented demand. We're also seeing families coming back together. And that's what makes Mackinac and Mission Point especially so popular that that whole family coming together and and those experiences so this year we will see a lot a lot of families a lot of reunions a lot of weddings we obviously it is february and we are in the middle of construction so every winter we do our renovations because we can't do it during in season we are going to we're expanding our outdoor dining which we know travelers are loving so we have these beautiful patio areas that overlook the Straits of Mackinac, and we are putting these pergolas over them so that they can become three-season dining. Um, We are a three-season destination, and so if it is chilly, we have the ability, we'll have the ability to heat them. If it is raining, we have the ability to take the louvers and close them so you can still sit outside and enjoy the fresh air. We have these amazing family hot tub suites. So there are two rooms and they have a patio and a hot tub and we're redoing all of those. And God, who would have thought that getting Sunbrella fabric would take 40 weeks, but alas, we're getting them done. So we have a lot of really great outdoor things that, that we're, we're going to be having online for our 2022 season. Wow. All right, Liz, we'll get you out of here on this. Uh, we talked at the beginning of this podcast about the governor's proposed budget came out yesterday, a 74 billion dollars. It is just 
astronomical. I, I, as someone who's worked in the sound a long time, I still can't quite wrap my head around that top line number. But included in there is a somewhat, at least to me and to us at the association, a discouraging number for Pure Michigan funding as proposed at $15 million. How uh, in the world can you have that much money floating around in Lansing and not give it to Pure Michigan? That's the reaction I, mean, I was hoping for. Are you kidding me? Like the tourism industry, hospitality, restaurants were decimated. Where are we? Why can we not fund the number one program in the United States? Pure Michigan is the best, hands down. I think we just got our tagline for this episode. I wrote it down as as you were saying it. (laughs) No, that's exactly right. I I am astounded. It was an opportunity for this administration to really throw a big number out there, uh, to gesture to this industry that it's been been rough. Uh, I know that you a lot of you have suffered, but here's an opportunity to help invest because we know that that's going to help draw travelers in from across the country. It's proven so over years and years and years. So to not have seen any increase is is discouraging. Exactly. That means that means you and I, Liz, we've got a lot of work to do advocating with our with our legislators and and trying to get that number up before before this thing becomes actual law. So the one thing I want to say about that is, you know, before I started at Mission Point, I didn't realize how important advocacy is. I mean, I did, but I didn't, I wasn't actively involved in it. And I have to say that your voice matters. So if there is an issue and you are sitting on the sidelines and you have something to say about it, I encourage you to get out and say something about it because your voice does make a difference. Your story does make a difference. And when we're talking about hospitality in Michigan and restaurants and and hotels, it makes a huge difference. So be a part of it and you can get involved and it's super easy. Like call Justin, call Emily. That's what I do. Like get in, call John, like be a part. Don't just sit there because it does make a difference. One, one person can do more than you think you can do. hundred percent true. And, and for the, the listeners tuning in, Liz does call. She Often is. she is she is active. Uh, not many days go by where we are not engaging in some form of email or text, uh, and you sharing some information. And uh, you're right it, that that pivots my day in a different direction. Sometimes causes me to make a phone call or or reach out to a specific legislator to say, "Do you, are you aware that this is happening and this is out there?" And so Liz is right. It it that activity impacts outcomes, and we're going to need some some of that activity to impact outcomes. Another good plug for the March 9th Capitol Day, Emily. It's coming up. <laughs> we need we need more hotel members coming than we have right now. We know Liz is coming. This is a big year. This is a really big year. And I encourage everyone, get involved. Like and and the pack, support the pack. It's really important because there are some big issues coming in front of us. And I never thought that being in a hotel that you would have to be so involved with all this legislative stuff, but you do. It's really big. And if you don't. All of a sudden, you're going to see something on your desk and you're going to, oh, my God, this is changing my whole business. And it's so important to be involved. So get involved. Yeah, come to Legislative Day. I will be there. I love it. Liz, thank you so much for your time this morning. Liz Ware, Mission Point Resort. Liz, where can they, if for all of our guests who now wish it were summer today and want to book, where should they be going? Missionpoint.com. Book early. Perfect. You're right. It does fill up. Thank you so much for your time, Liz. We will see you soon. Okie dokie. Bye, everyone. Thanks, Liz.